Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. This week on our panel, we have Mark Erickson. Hey, friends. Josh Adams. Ahoy. Eric Berry. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest, and that is Brooklyn Zelenka. Hi. Do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Uh, yeah, sure. So... Polyglot programmer, these days mostly working in blockchain R&D, but I've written a number of Elixir libraries, uh, including uh, Exceptional, Quark, LG, Witchcraft, and Typeclass. So just a few, huh? Just a few. There's a few more. Those are the big ones. Nice. We brought you on to talk about Exceptional. Uh, do you want to just give us a quick elevator pitch for that library? Sure. Uh, so Exceptional makes error handling easy in Elixir and lets you help think in terms of flow as opposed to checking for errors and threading state through. So what's wrong with the regular Elixir exception implementation? Yeah. Uh, so there's a few things. So it, it really came out of pain with uh, using an older Erlang library that didn't completely document all of its error states, all the different tuples that could come out of it. So when doing pattern matching, you would get one of six or seven different things. And there were cases that would just blow up randomly. So we ended up having to, you know, wrap this check and, you know, go along that way. And then there's the part where you have to always, you know, even if you do it in a with block, right, you end up having to pull out, pattern match out what you think you're going to get and then thread that into the next step. What exceptional lets you do is just you replace the pipe operator with a uh, you know tilde angle bracket, you know, squiggly arrow, uh, and you can just pretend that you're on the happy path. And then at the end of this, I or really at any step, but usually at the end, you can check for which error state you wound up in, uh, as opposed to raising an error where everything blows up and you unwind the entire stack. Uh, it gives you control and lets you pass back if you want to to the caller to decide what to do with the error or to recontextualize the error from a small local state to this is where this is happening. So you get more information back. It's all happening with error or exception structs just you know, as comes out of the box in Elixir. And then you can add all the information that you want to that extra context and even use that lovely plug status key as well to get the right uh, error code in uh, a plug application. So what you're saying is you're making uh, you're making Elixir exceptions more accessible to the developer themselves. Yes, yeah, more accessible, more contextual, and following some more functional, like traditional functional um, styles. You built this two years ago. What's the adoption been like? Uh, so I hear from people. This is probably the one that people use the most. I don't have, you know, exact numbers, but whenever I'm at a conference or even, you know, a couple times a year or maybe five, six times a year, I'll get an email about it saying, thank you, this really saved my project for this and that reason. 
So I, you know, I don't think it's in, obviously it's not in every project. It doesn't ship with it automatically, but people seem to really be enjoying it. So two years ago in the Elixir world, seems like a lifetime in most other languages. How long have you been uh, developing in, in Elixir? Uh, in Elixir since 2014 and Erlang since 2012, 2011, 2012, somewhere there. Wow. What's, uh, what were you doing before that? So, I mean, really only started programming in 2011. But oh, so you, right out of the gate, I, you hopped on the Elixir uh, Erlang bandwagon. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, first language was JavaScript and then quickly had to pick up for the, just because the company I was working at, you know, Clojure and Groovy and uh-huh. a bunch of JVM languages and was introduced to this crazy Haskell idea. Um, so I picked up Haskell and then saw, learned you some Erlang, read that book, kind of kind of liked the model and sort of started collecting languages and really fell in love with functional programming generally, you know, became, you know, the Lambda calculus and, you know, all, all these different things. And so, yeah, ended up doing a little bit of Erlang, uh, mostly on the side. And then in Vancouver, there's a huge Ruby community and there's all those, you know, uh, Ruby refugees looking for, looking for something new. And, you know, there was, there was an opportunity to use more, to use more Elixir. So. Right, right. Yeah. Speaking as a, a Ruby refugee, I, I love that you call it that. Um, there seems to be a pretty, a pretty large uh, migration from Ruby onto Elixir. Have you, have you played with Ruby at all? What's your experience in that? In that? Yeah, uh, I did Ruby full time for a couple of years. Um, mostly, mostly Rails applications, not, not entirely. Yeah, I, I do find it interesting that there's s- such an interest in, in Elixir from the Ruby community because there's such different languages, aside from the you know, top-level syntax, which obviously there's influence, right? And you know, the, the aesthetic is similar, but the way you end up having to think and the, the way the language is structured and the ecosystem, et cetera, is just completely separate. But there's this cultural component that is the same that we've really been able to port over, which was probably the biggest strength in Ruby was the community is fantastic, right? And having that, you know, really strong leadership, you know, in, uh, up in the core team, you know, a lot, lot of them coming from the Rails core, core group, right? Uh, making it very friendly, very accessible, you know, not adding features just for the heck of having features, making them everything very practical and accessible. So not having like uh, three or four different alias methods for the same method is what you're saying. Uh, I feel like I should write it this way, so let's make that okay. And I feel like I should write it this way, so let's make that okay. And <laughs> you know, there's beauty to that, though. I mean, I, I've been developing Elixir for a little bit now, and I find myself always wanting to go back to Ruby. The problem with that is that Ruby doesn't solve some of the issues that more modern day problems uh, display. The fact that you've been doing Elixir since 2014 is just insane. You're so far ahead of the game. Uh, and you're an open source contri- contributor, so I'm a big fan of yours. I know we're going to talk about exceptional, but do you mind if we just branch into some of the other projects that you've built and maybe why you've built them? Sure, yeah. So the the absolute first library that I wrote in Elixir, um, I, guess, I guess we'll just, you know, mostly scope this to Elixir, was Quark. Uh, so I run the uh, functional programming meetup in Vancouver, and people were interested in learning some of the, you know, really classic, like, you know, 1940s foundations. And there was a lot of interest in Elixir as well. So I said, well, you know, let's see, let's see if I can, you know, port some of this stuff in. Just, you know, handful of things, uh, you know, uh, SNK combinators, you know, like the, again, the, the absolute classics. And it ended up growing and growing and, you know, added 
more and more stuff like auto currying and partial functions and, you know, and Elixir is a you know, very much an arity based language. So this, you know, really breaks the mold for that, but then it also makes functions very reusable. So that ended up getting some adoption uh, in libraries, less in applications, right? But in libraries where things have to be very, very reusable, which is really the point of those techniques. And then I just ended up having both, you know, for reasons of hobby and then wanting to, you know, missing idioms, especially from Haskell when doing Phoenix work uh, in production. There were a few of us uh, that had similar backgrounds that were working in, uh, in Elixir at a consulting company I was at a few years ago. And so we were missing things like type classes and functors and monads and all of that stuff. So I took a crack at writing witchcraft, which then necessitated all of these other libraries to sort of bootstrap up into even being able to do that, right? So type class sort of papers over the protocols in Elixir. So right now with uh, enum, you need to implement enumerable, right? But that means that I have to know that the enumerable protocol exists. So all that type class does, well, it, it does two things. One, it lets you share the name. So you can say, these are the functions that you need to implement. And here's all the functions that you'll get back out of this module at the end. Uh, so it lets you share the namespace and then behind the scenes, it creates a, you know, um, a protocol for you. And then you can, you know, the implementation gets routed to the right place and, and all of that. And it does compile time property check, property checks on, on the function that you have to define to make sure that it will behave correctly the way that you want it to. Unfortunately, that means that there's a, you know, uh, in development, there's a compile time overhead to that, but it just runs once and then, then that's all good. So there's that, uh, witchcraft, uh, algae, which brings in all of the data structures that uh, work well with this style. And there's one more. Oh yeah, and then Quark, which we already talked about. Yeah. And so people have been using that to learn without having to go and learn Haskell or Idris or you know Scala, to learn these techniques and these ideas, and then to be able to you know use these idioms in Elixir, even though it's not a you know it's a it's not an ML, right? It's a very very different language from say Haskell, but you know, there's the type system isn't as strong. It's not as expressive at the type level. But if you're willing to be the the type checker yourself, then you can still you can still use it. And so I was I was going to say partial functions and auto currying are two things that I really wish we could have kind of at the language level. Um, they're the two things I miss the most when I'm writing Elixir, which is all the time. But um, mm -hmm. yeah. So thank you for those. I've I've played with, but not not used work in uh, production. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. No. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, I would love to see in the in the standard library. It's partly a question too of you know how because these are all general purpose languages, right? You should be able to write anything in in any of them. As soon as it ends up in the standard library, we're basically saying this is you know this is blessed as being standard, right? So at what point do we say this is the style the the default style as opposed to another style? In, in Elixir, and uh, I, I actually gave a, my keynote at MPEX this year was exactly about this of, you know, should we, should we be porting in uh, other ideas? I, I think that this is, obviously, I think this is a good idea. Uh, it does mean that there's a, a higher burden of, you know, number of concepts and things to learn, which is already, you know, a fair number of things, people coming from an object-oriented background into a functional paradigm, but 
I really think that Elixir hits this nice point in the design space or in the language space of being friendly, uh, as long as we do it in a way that feels elixiry, you know, that, that aesthetic, again, uh, I think it can be very successful as a way of bringing in other concepts. Uh, there, you know, I've brought in all of this, these really classic functional programming concepts. There's no reason that you couldn't model an object-oriented style with class inheritance and the whole, the whole nine yards. You could do it. There's nothing stopping you, right? Because macros. So, Let's talk exceptions. Okay. Now, your library, you, you built this quick TLDR in the library. You built it in order to, it says here in the blog post, it's an Elixir library for providing helpers and working with exceptions. It aims to make with aims to make working with plain old unwrapped Elixir values more convenient and to give full control back to calling functions. What's the adoption? I, I know we talked a little bit about this already. I apologize. But you said you've been getting good feedback on it. It's been uh, slowly adopted. Any chance that it might become part of Core? I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it as part of Core. Uh, since this was written, they've moved more in the direction of the those with blocks, with the you know the manual threading through. I mean, it's it's possible. Uh, for a while there, I don't think it is anymore. But for a while there, it was the second most uh, downloaded error handling library on Hex, uh, behind I think it was OK, the OK library. Uh, which also does a, a similar sort of error handling. Uh, they were doing it uh, more with tuples and we were using uh, exception structs. So obviously there's an interest in using that style. Looking at the trajectory of the, the standard library exceptional handling style over the last few years, it really looks like they're aiming at being compatible with the traditional Erlang ecosystem, right? Using tuples for everything which are very lightweight, very fast, which is nice, but you can end up in these sort of sticky uh, situations. And it, it was almost a little bit surprising that that became the focus because they introduced this, this struct style with Elixir, right? Uh, as, you know, I, I think the, the website used to say something like, uh, you know, uh, modern style of, of error handling. Uh, the, the problem with using that and with, especially with the arrays is it's, you lose the context and control. You can still catch, you know, throw and catch basically, or, you know, raise and um, I can't remember the, the block you stick around that because I keep using exceptional, but, but you lose some control and use some context. This could be coming from anywhere in the, in the AST, anywhere in the tree uh, below, right? I would love to see it as, as part of the standard library as, as an alternative style, but now we're going to have two alternate styles for this, and you'll have to interop with either of them. Yeah, so it, it it really depends on on the culture and the way that we end up going. I have more questions, but I've been dominating the questions so far. Um, any 